Hello. Can y'all hear me? Good. They told me to speak loud, even though if I sound real loud out here, to speak really loud. So I'm going to speak loud tonight. So I got, a, I got a really nice compliment tonight whenever they were putting my headphones on. They said, I'm the only person here that's had a bigger head than Pastor Ronnie. So I don't know what that, not, not ego was. No, no, no. <laughs> and so um, when uh, I was in Kenya about a month ago before I, before I left for about a month, um, I saw on Facebook that they posted this series, The Young Lions. And I saw all the people on it, and I was like, man, I really want to speak at that. I just felt like I really wanted to speak at that, but then I saw it ended, and I was like, there's no way I can. And then my first Sunday back, when I came off the stage after doing Tiki Tiki Maji, <laughs> Barbie was waiting for me, and she asked me, and you know, I tried to contain my excitement. I was like, sure, sure, cool. <laughs> cool, that's cool, man, I'll do it. That'll be cool. And so I'm really excited to be here today. Um, you know, it's young lions. After two years in Kenya, I feel more like a middle-aged lion. But, um, and <laughs> let's pray real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for today, Lord. Uh, thank you for this opportunity, God, and I ask that you use me as your vessel of your mercy and grace, Lord. And I pray that you use my testimony in these words I speak tonight to plant a seed in someone. And for, Lord, I pray that you make that seed grow. Father, use me as your vessel. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So yeah, you know, what's really cool is I got a connection to most of these guys as well that are speaking, you know, not just the overflow guys. You'll hear more about my connection to Brian here in a little bit. And so I want to kind of go through tonight. I want to, first I want to read out of Psalms. It's uh, chapter 103, verses 1 through 5. I just want to start with some scripture real quick. And it says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like, like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And I believe all of us in here have a testimony of when we were oppressed, when the enemy was oppressing us and uh, how God lifted us out of it. You know, we're all speaking our testimonies, but everybody in this room has a testimony. You know, after you hear my testimony, a lot of people tell me, they're like, man, I wish I had your testimony. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> don't wish that on yourself. And I tell them, you have a testimony of God's grace and God's mercy in your life. You just have to find it. Take your time. Write it down. And so, starting with my testimony, I have uh, a... I grew up in half a church home. I have a praying mom, but not a praying dad. And so I didn't really know much about Jesus growing up. My mom never forced me to go to church. And so I, am I on the light? Cool. Um, sorry, sometimes I get, I'm not a multitasker. And so we grew up, my mom going to church, and the rest of us would sit at home every week. And so that's the way it went. And then my parents divorced when I was about nine years old. And when I was uh, 11 years old, my dad took his own life with a gun. And... My dad was my, was my life. I played sports. I wasn't always this big guy you see before you today. And uh, I played them for my dad. I, would play so I played uh, football, uh, basketball, ran track, played baseball, and it was all just to make my dad proud of me. And as soon as he passed away, I just lost my drive to do any of it. And so that's when I discovered my first drug, which was TV. TV is a drug. 
And I just sat at home. And I would watch TV all the time. And I would uh, just sit at home, eat, watch TV. And then when I got to high school, I discovered alcohol. And then when I was a sophomore, I discovered marijuana. And then when I was a junior, I discovered cocaine. And so I did these things. It was, uh, it was my life. I, li I lived to be the party. I wanted to be the guy that made everybody laugh because of his stupidity. And so that's the way I lived all through high school, all the way up until I was 28 years old. I was uh, every weekend, staying up the whole weekend just doing drugs. And that was, that was my God. The, the drugs were my God. And so I knew I needed a change. I knew I needed out of Memphis. You know, God was protecting me that whole time. I just didn't know it. And so I was like, I need to find a job in Nashville. I need to get out of here. I need to go to Nashville. And so I looked for a job. I found one. And then I went on a website to look for a roommate called roommates.com. And <laughs> now I didn't know this was a website. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know about Google. I'm not very technologically savvy. As y'all see, I have this written on a notepad, not an iPad. And so <laughs> I typed it in the address bar, and it just happened to be a website. And so what you do is you put your profile on there, like, of the kind of person you are. And, of course, I didn't put alcoholic drug addict. You know, I didn't think people <laughs> might like that. And so I, um, I got an email from a guy. And he was like, you, you, you know, we, we, you fit the profile of the person I'm looking for. And I was like, cool, cool. And we exchanged emails back and forth a couple times. And then he called me. And he, we talked, and he was like, well, man, I think I want you to move in. And I was like, well, that's awesome. And I told him the weekend I wanted to move in. And he's like, well, I'll be out of town that weekend. Let me just send you a key. I was like, huh? <laughs> you just, I'm from Memphis. You know that, right? <laughs> and <laughs> so he sends me a key in the mail. And I, I move in. Uh, my family helps me move in. And of course, you know, I might not have told you this part before. I'm not going to reveal the roommate yet because it's a big reveal. <laughs> and so I go through the stuff. You know, I'm looking through the house, trying to see what kind of person I'm living with. And they have a, a photo album on their coffee table. And I open it, and I can just tell they're on a mission trip in Africa. And I said, oh, crap, I moved in with Christians. <laughs> and I might have used a different word, but we won't say that word. And so I moved in with Christians. And so when they came back, it was the people I moved in with were Jeff Butterworth and Brian Encinitas. <laughs> and so Brian invited me to church one weekend. And because I wanted my new roommates to like me, I was like, okay, I'll go to church. And so I came, I sat in the back. As soon as it ended, I left. Didn't talk to nobody because I wasn't here for God. I just wanted to make my new roommates like me. And so I noticed something started to happen. I, I kind of liked the message, but you, you people were freaking me out. <laughs> y'all were, were dancing down here, and you were raising your hands, and you were scaring me, to be honest. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like this message, but you know what? I'm going to go try to find a different church. And so that's what I did. I looked online, just trying to find a different church. And so what I did is I found a church in Franklin I wanted to go check out. And so I drove to Franklin got lost on the way there, came in late, and I was sitting there watching the church, just arms crossed, and I was like, I miss the dancing. 
I was like, I missed that stuff. And so I got up, left, came here, second service, and Pastor Ronnie's up here singing Can't Buy Me Love by the Beatles. And I was like, I guess I can get with this place. And so I decided to stay. And so this was around February, March 08. And so what would happen is I would come here and live a life without drinking and drugs, but I would go back to Memphis and live the same life. I had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And light and darkness don't mix. And so my mom was passing away. She had lung cancer. So that's the reason I kept going back and forth. And so I would go back, say hi to her, give her a hug, tell her I love her, go out the door, go out drinking to drugs. And that's the way I lived my life from uh, February of 08 till September of 08. And so I got a call uh, one morning, and my sisters told me I need to get home early September. And so I rushed home, and my mom was, she was passing away. She had lung cancer. Excuse me. And so we got home, and, uh, you know, she was struggling. She was fighting to live. And we all around her on the, the morning of September 9th, 2008, with my, me and my four sisters, we am all holding her. She took her last breath. And her chest came out. This is kind of a little side story. Her chest came out so far. And it used to give me pain seeing that, like thinking of that moment. But uh, Vonda Coble did a sermon one time talking about how Adam was right here. I mean, God was right here in Adam and breathed life into him. And now I see that moment as my mom's first breath of real life, not her last breath. And so, because I've never seen the chest come out that far. And so... Uh, September 12th, we buried her. We had the funeral. And afterwards, I went out and I did drugs. And I stayed up all night. And I came home the next morning and all my sisters are married, got kids. They're all going back to their lives. And I'm just there alone. They, they leave me in the house. I'm there alone. And for the first time in my life, I feel truly alone. You know, my mom was my rock. I was in and out of jail five different times in those, those 14 years of doing drugs and drinking alcohol. And every time, she's there right, right there waiting for me. I love you, baby. Let me go make you some breakfast. And so she was my rock. So I just went into her room, and I, I fell to my knees. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to do this life alone. I don't know what to do without her. And I felt God say in that moment, your mother loved you unconditionally. Now let me do it. And I literally felt a touch on my arm. And I stood up. And it was gone. It was gone. There was no rehab. There was no withdrawals. There was nothing. He was, it was gone. He made it gone. And I said to him that day, I said, Lord, what you did for me here today, I'll go wherever you want me to go and tell people about it. And you got to be careful what you say to God. Because <laughs> <laughs> he'll hold you to it. And so he's been holding me to it. And I've been telling his testimony for a long time. And so then I came back and I started meeting people. I met Kevin O'Day. And, you know, he seems to be the first person a lot of people meet here. And so he's a good, he's a good greeter. And so <laughs> I met him and uh, started going to, I think it was called Strive then, to the young adult group. And I started getting to know people. And as soon as I became a Christian, God just put it in me to just start serving anywhere I could. I started going to Bible studies at Weary. I started, I started serving at Weary Workday. And I started just helping as much as I could, just doing what I could and telling people about what God did for me. The next month, I was baptized. By December that year, I was on the leadership team of Strive. And God just kept continuing to grow me. And then uh, Pastor Ronnie announced a mission trip one day. 
to Kenya. And I felt God just saying, go, go, go sign up. So I went and signed up. And not knowing anything about a mission trip, I just went and signed up and thought that's all I had to do. (laughs) (laughs) So Bruce calls me one day and says, you have your money for your plane ticket. And I said, what money? And he's like, well, you got to have money for a plane. I said, y'all don't pay for that? (laughs) So I realized I have to start raising money for this. And so because the plane is already filled up, I got put on a waiting list. And so we decided as a group to start fasting every Wednesday. And so the first Wednesday we fast, at 10 o'clock, Bruce gives me a call and says, there's a ticket open up. There's another team coming. You can fly with them. But we need your money by Friday. It's like $1,800. And by the end of Friday, I had the money for my whole trip, not even just the plane ticket. And so I went to Kenya, and he fell in love with the place. And, you know, anytime you go on a mission trip for the first time, you come back, you're like, yes, I got to get back there. I just saw God in a way I've never seen him before. I got to get back there right now. And I was like ready. I met with Bruce. I was like ready to go back. I was thinking about it. I was like, I want to return somehow. But God wasn't ready for me to go back. And what, what does God do to a man to keep him from going somewhere? He puts a woman in his life. <laughs> and so I met a woman and we started a relationship. And sooner, soon after that, we were engaged. And so I was living life. And so soon after that, I thought it would be best for us to move to Memphis because there was a better job there to make more money, to help support the family I was going to have. And so I moved to Memphis, and then soon after that, the relationship and the engagement ended. And I'm back in Memphis. It's February 2011, and I'm back where I'm at. I'm in this same house, my mom's house, and I'm alone again. And I'm like, God, why am I back here? How did I end up back in this house, in this same room, feeling alone again? And I didn't hear anything. And so I just kept doing my Christian walk, just kind of just doing my Sunday thing. And about a month after the breakup, Daniel Frazier calls me. And he says, dude, I don't know if this means anything to you, but you're supposed to be in Africa. And I said, you're right. This doesn't mean anything to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, thank you, but um, uh, I'll talk to you later. Just kind of brushing him off the phone. Because I was still, you know, getting over the relationship. And so then a month later, a friend of mine, Hezron, calls. And he says... I've been having dreams of me and you working together for the last few months. He got my number off Facebook, and I took this one a little more serious. And I was like, okay, let me start praying about this. And I took it to God. And, you know, it tells us in the Word that we're to count the cost. And I said, God, I don't like the heat. I don't like the outdoors. I don't like snakes. I don't like hippos, and I don't want to (laughs) go. I said, I can't do this. And he said, I know you can't do this, but I can through you. And I was like, there you go, playing the God card. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, he does that sometimes. And so I said, okay, Lord, I need three things from you. I was in Memphis, and I owned a house. I said, Lord, I need you to sell this house. I need some training, and I'll need a place to live if this house sells. 
So I called John Key and, and Bruce over at Weary. And I'm 30 years old at this point, and <clears throat> 31. And I asked them, Can I, is there any way for me to do an internship at Weary? This is usually reserved for kids in college. And they said, let's call you back. We'll pray about it. And two days later, they called me back. And they said, yeah, we'd love for you to come out. And so that right there took care of my training and my place to live because interns get free housing. And so I had to sell a house now. <clears throat> and in my neighborhood in Memphis, it was a recession. It was 2011. Um, houses had been for sale for two years. And so I, and I, placed mine, I priced mine higher than theirs. And mine sold in three and a half weeks. And so God sent me back to Smyrna. He sent me back to you guys. And so I came here and I decided to focus on Weary for the summer because we have teams come out. And then after the summer was over, I emailed Don and Nancy Richards, who run SEEK, which is Super Environmental Education of Kenya, and that's where I work. And the next day I got an email back from them and they said, hey, we're going to be in Smyrna next month. I was like, all right, well, let's meet. <laughs> so we went one morning to Cracker Barrel with uh, me, Bruce, Don and Nancy, and Frank Soper. And Don and Nancy proceeded to tell us two days before they got my email, they'd started praying for a full-time missionary to come and be working with them. And they said, we believe that's you. And in that moment, I just, God just revealed to me the last two years of my life. Like, of why I, had the, why I moved back to Memphis, why I had the failed engagement. And, you know, I shouldn't say failed because I developed a great friendship. And so he was like, you weren't ready to come back. It's like, you couldn't go there if you had still owned this house there. He was removing things from my life to get me ready for Kenya. And so in that moment, all that came to me. And so the first thing when you decide to do mission work, most people think about is money. Well, how am I going to get this money? And for some, like, the power of the Holy Spirit, God never let me worry about that. Never, not once. Everybody, this was about September when I found out I was going. Everybody said, all right, you got to start raising money. You got to get letters. You got to start doing fundraisers. I was like, man, God told me to wait till January. And I did. And they, everybody was like, what are you doing? And I was like, God told me to wait till January. And God talks to us, right? And we have to listen to what God says. So God told me to wait till January, and so I did. January 1st, letters went out. You know, delayed obedience is disobedience. So I did it right the first day. And I had the first fundraiser January 12th. And by the end of the January, I almost had half the money I needed. And God, and I never worried about the whole time. I, I went over the amount the night before I left. We had a concert the night before I left. And I went over. But it's something I've never worried about. I've never wanted for anything. God has supplied every single need I ever needed on the mission field. Because that's not what he wants us to worry about is the money. He wants us to give him glory in all we do. And that's worrying is not giving God glory. And so when God speaks, we have to listen, right? And so when God talks to us, when, when Christians something that drives me a little crazy and I'm not trying to step on any toes when somebody tells me I don't know God's will for my life like, do you read the Bible do you pray because God speaks to you what does God want me to do God speaks to his people so I want y'all to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 
Now, I could stand up here and give you all a bunch of stories about Kenya. God showed himself mightily there. He worked through me and in me. And if you want to hear a lot of stories, I can tell you a lot of stories. But I think I want to use this opportunity to glorify Jesus Christ and not anything I did over there. And uh, if you want to hear about it, I'll, I'll t take me to lunch. I'll even pay for my own lunch. <laughs> take me to dinner. I'll do it. And I'll, um, we'll, we'll talk about it. I'll tell you a ton of stories about God's faithfulness over there. Because, you know, a lot of people ask you, like, you know, in the condition I was in, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I could never do that. Yes, you could. Jesus Christ can do it through you. Anybody can do it. We adapt. He's called us to overcome and persevere. You know, a lot of people talk about, like, I wouldn't know what I'd do if my mom died. Well, yes, you would. Because, you know, death happens in this world. You learn to live. You learn to adapt. God has made us that way. And so if you want to hear stories about Kenya, I'll tell you a million of them. But tonight I want to give you just, just a, a little word. I can't get up here and not talk about Jesus and how awesome he is and how much he loves us. And so we're going to go through um, um, most of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but I want to start with verse 2. This is the verse I lived on while I was in Kenya. And it says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You want to know God's will for your life? It's to resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you take that with you everywhere you go, if you shine the light of Christ everywhere you go, you're living for him, and that's his will for your life, is to give him glory in all you do. And that's what Paul is telling the Corinthians here. He said, when I was with you, I didn't speak eloquent speeches. I didn't have great words for you. But I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, the Bible says the cross before us, the world behind us. You know what I tell people, if you have to keep saying, get behind me, Satan, you're standing the wrong way. You're looking the wrong way. Turn around. Turn back towards that cross. And so, Paul goes on and he says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. I kind of was a little trembling tonight, I'm not going to lie. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith not, might, might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I'm going to give you a story from Kenya. My first week there, my friend Hezron, who called me about the dreams, said, hey, we're going to go speak to the, I'm going to go speak to the school. It's about 500 kids. I'm like, cool. I said, well, let me just watch. Let me see how things are done. It's, it's the first week after the team has left. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go do that. Let's, let's, let me see how y'all do these things. And so we get there, and three minutes into it, he says, I've talked enough. Kurt Bryson from America's here. He's going to bring y'all a word. Come on up here, Kurt. <laughs> I was like, is this real? Is this happening, Lord? But I, I went up there. I didn't say, no, 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 no. Because I knew the Spirit would speak through me. Hour and 15 minutes later, I'm like, whoa. I've been speaking for a while. And so it's through the Spirit's power that I stand up here right now. You know, a lot of people ask me if I was nervous tonight. I said, yeah, I'm, not ner I'm nervous, but I'm not worried. Because I know the Spirit's going to speak through me. Because he's never failed me yet, and why would he start tonight? Amen. 
Yesopaki. Anybody remember that? Praise the Lord. All right. We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Did you hear that? He declare, declared this glory for us before time began. That just does a stirring in my spirit right now. Before time began, Christ was going to come and die on the cross for us. And it was for his glory and we can join in him with that glory. That's the secret. We don't have to walk around and think, what is God doing? I don't know what God's doing. You just have to walk around with Jesus Christ and him crucified in the world, the cross before you and the world behind you. Now, I'm not saying being a Christian is easy. I'm not going to give you that stuff. Well, if you give your life to Christ, life is going to get so much easier. No. <laughs> People ask me, what's the one thing I miss the most about not, before I came to Christ? And I tell them, it's the not caring. I tell them it's, I, I didn't used to care when I sinned, but now I do. And that's what I miss the most, is the not caring. <laughs> and so we have this secret wisdom. And then it goes on to say, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord. However, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. I want to skip down. To verse 11. Verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, if we claim to not know what God wants from us, but yet we have the Holy Spirit, how can we say that? Because it says, He who has the spirit of God in him knows what God wants. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I heard a, a story one time, and y'all have probably heard it before. Maybe I even heard it on the stage. I don't know, but I love telling it. And it talked about when you die and you go to heaven, and you see Moses, and you're like, man, what was it like seeing God in the burning bush? What was it like being in the presence of the glory of God? And he turns back and says, what's it like to have God living inside of you? <laughs> And so we have God living inside of us. He speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. And no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So if we have the Spirit of God, then we know the thoughts of God, right? If I'm misinterpreting this, somebody run on stage and stop me. <laughs> we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us, freely you don't have to work towards it. I don't do mission work because I'm, I'm trying to work closer to God and make up for my past sins. I do it because God called me to do it. A lot of people come to me and they say, God called me to missions. I'm like, God spoke to you? They're like, huh? I'm like, well, if God says he called you, that means you got a word from God on where he wants you to do missions. So where did God call you? I don't know. Like, then why are you doing missions? I'm not trying to discourage them, but I'm trying to tell them if God calls you, he gives you a call and he speaks to you. 
the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You know, there's a lot of times we all have friends that don't know the Lord. And, and when we come to the Lord, they don't want to be around us. You know, I, I spoke at a church this past week in Memphis, and a friend of mine is the pastor of it. And he was a close inner circle friend of mine. But in eighth grade, he noticed that me and other friends were going on a different path. He saw which way we were going, and he decided to pull himself away from us. And I hated him for it. And I talked bad behind his back because of it. Because to some were the aroma of death, and to others were the aroma of life. That's what Paul says, I believe. And so when you, when you have these friends that don't want to speak to you anymore, it's because they don't want to be around you anymore because you're the aroma of death to them. And to others were the aroma of life. And so... He goes on to say at the end, The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And that is one of my favorite words in the whole Bible. But, but, we have the mind of Christ. So we have the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. So Christians... I want us to stop saying, I don't know God's will for my life. His will is to resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, to take up your cross daily, to deny yourself and follow Him. Teaching people, the th teaching all the things Jesus taught the disciples. God has a will, He has a plan for all of you. And if you earnestly seek Him, you pray, you read His word every single day, He's going to reveal that to you. And if he doesn't, you just keep going. You keep going until he does. You see, I didn't, when I became a Christian, it wasn't, I'm going to Kenya. That, no, that's the last place. In fact, I used to say, before I was a Christian, because we had overcrowded prisons, I used to say, why don't we just go drop them off in Africa? They say, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> he went and dropped me off in Africa. <laughs> And so, God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us, but it's not about us. You know, I joke around with some people and I always say, oh, it's about Kurt, it's about me. But it's a joke. I know it's not about me and it can never be about me. And I'll walk through the rest of my life not letting it be about me. You see, in John 15, 15, and this is what I'm going to close with so the worship team can make their way to the top. It says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Now, it doesn't say some things I learned from my father I taught you. It says everything. You know, I've learned through Pastor Wayne and songs, I've learned to pay attention to little words. Like the word all. Like, you know, there's an there's a old song that, you know, y'all got to remember I'm new in the church. I just learned Father Abraham in Kenya. But <laughs> there's a song, I Surrender All. I surrender all. 
And so, like, but honestly, like, I've, I've, I've be, I'm very conscious of the words I sing now because of Wayne. And I'll get up there and I'll be like, I surrender some. <laughs> just because sometimes I just don't feel like I'm surrendering all. <sighs> but you see, Jesus Christ... When he says, I no longer call you a servant, that doesn't mean don't serve. But he's saying he calls us friends. He's our friend. Greater love. I forget the verse. Has, is, say it for me. Yeah, lay down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ laid down his life for his friends. And that's you. And he's taught us everything that the Father taught him. Now, some of you Bible scholars can, can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the only instance in the Bible where Jesus Christ said the Father didn't tell him something was the end of days, was the end of time. Only the Father knows that. Is that right? Okay. So he's taught you everything. He's taught us everything, and it's all in here. It's in here. And so when Christians say, I'm not sure God's will for my life. I don't know what God's will is. We got to stop that. You know, I posed a question, a question, a question on Facebook last week. And it was just a simple question. It said, what is a missionary? And I got a lot of great answers. You see, in my opinion, a missionary is anybody that carries the light of Christ everywhere they go. You see, I, I might mess up Justin's testimony here, but... Justin just got off probation and can just now get a passport. And he's never been able to go to the nations, so to speak, and tell people about Christ. But is Justin a missionary? You're dang right he is. Josh Osborne was a missionary. He took the light of Christ everywhere he went. And I'm not being arrogant when I say this. I was a missionary way before I went to Kenya because I carry the light of Christ where I go. And so tonight, I just want you to think about that as Christians. God has a will. He has a plan for your life. And I, I encourage you to earnestly seek it. Not by just going through your day, but by seeking Him through His Word and through prayer. Thank you all.
we just thank you for this time, God, Lord. Uh, I thank you for the testimony of my own life, Lord. And I pray you use it tonight to, to touch somebody, Lord. I pray tonight if there was any seed planted, Lord, that you make it grow, Father. Lord, I pray as we all go out, Lord, that when people see us, they know we are sons and daughters of the living God, Father. That we carry your light everywhere we go, Father. In our jobs, in our schools, in our homes, and even in our cars, Lord. Father, we praise your name. How great you, how great thou art. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. He's the name.